0: partners.
1: Nelson House Funeral Homes' number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesonine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or
0: call 989-723-5234. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. the Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Siawassee and M21 in Corona.
1: Well, it's time for episode 291 of the Three Point Podcast. We're presented, as always, by the Memorial Healthcare Wellness Center. Check out memorialhealthcare.org for everything they offer, including big discounts if you sign up for 2024. Also, I want to thank AZ Branding Solutions, Jacobs Insurance Agency, Corey Shook and Associates Real Estate Services, Nelson House Funeral Home rivals tap house and grill success group mortgage and servicing throw a couple of other shout outs to woodworth commercial and buffalo wild wings they both were uh, big time supporters of our podcast we had down in detroit you know we usually like to play catch up and uh you know since matt you and i did that uh live podcast at buffalo wild wings i bet jared might want to catch up a little bit and jump in here right away
2: yeah i mean you know you know what's uh it's kind of funny. It's it's surreal, but it was also really cool. But also, I, I felt like I almost missed out a little bit on it because mm-hmm. I was working the whole time. You know, it really is the busiest two days of my life every year are these state finals. So, like, at one point, and we'll talk about the MHSA and the coaches challenge rules and stuff like that. At one point, I just wanted to go take a look at the chronic crowd. I just wanted to take a look at the chronic crowd. This is before the D4 game. I went out there and the concourse is just slam packed. You can't even move. There was no way to get to even the lower bowl to see the crowd. So I honestly never even got to see the support really. And what sucks about, you know, the broadcast is all of our cameras are on the home side. So you can't shoot back at Corona's Mm sidelines. So how was the environment? One at Buffalo Wild Wings and then two kind of walking in, and getting your seats at Ford Field. What was that like for you guys?
3: I mean, I think if, if you went back, so anyone who didn't uh, get a chance to see that live podcast, it is on our YouTube page now. So, and, and on our regular podcast site too, the the audio. So if you want to listen or watch that live podcast at Buffalo Wild Wings, you can go do that right now. Uh, It was amazing. I mean, I think they were expecting talking to Jim and Randy Woodworth and, and Corey Shook. They were expecting a couple hundred people, you know, maybe pushing 300, I'm pretty sure it went well over 500 people at that tailgate because on the second floor, there were two rooms, two kind of private party rooms that were elbow to elbow. I mean, it was like this. And then the main floor, you know, which is like your typical Buffalo Wild Wings tables and all the TVs and everything. It was all Corona people down there, too. So uh, as far as, you know, your question about that, that, it was just amazing. People walking around in varsity jackets and old shirts and people clearly reconnecting. They haven't seen each other in years and years talking about Corona, you know, everyone wearing some sort of Corona gear was just super cool to see. I mean, I saw a bunch of people that I hadn't seen in a while. Some of my friends, parents, um, you know, who had been basically since like high school, maybe since I'd seen them. So really, really cool environment at Buffalo Wild Wings, but at the field, I mean, yeah, Ted, very different for you because you got there early and probably shot right up to the press box, but we got there as the Mason game was ending so Mason played obviously before Corona. So they're trying to let the Mason people out and the Corona wave of people are coming <laughs> and Mason in. Mason
2: had a lot of people too.
3: Mason oh, yeah. had a ton of people and I'm telling you, it was, it was almost turning into panic mode. It was almost turning into, it was just a standstill in the concourse because no one could move. I mean, it's people were honestly, setup. people were honestly starting to get a little upset because they wanted to get, they wanted to get to their seats. But, and they wanted to, you know, probably sit with their friends or family or right. people they went with. And you ended up just having to go find a seat. It was just like, go find somewhere to sit. So I don't know. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the the replay thing with the MHSAA. I don't know what the MHSAA or Ford Field, I don't know what they could really do differently. Here, so, Try I and can, say, like, you can only exit here and then you only enter here. I, I don't well, really know what they could do differently, but it was it was. Kind of mayhem before yeah, the Corona game.
2: It, they have to change it. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, talk about a tournament, Ted, and you've got, you've gone to these for years and years. Talk about a tournament that's always perfectly run. It's the state boys finals. It really is. Yeah, As Reslin? the Breslin Center, it's yeah. always yeah. awesome. They're perfectly done. Uh, and what they do is, I mean, they kind of section out what crowd goes where sort of around the whole entire lower bowl. So I know, obviously, if you're Corona, you want to sit right behind the home bleachers and be right behind the home team. Right. But whatever, maybe just shift them a couple rows to the right. So maybe you slightly go around the right turn of the right side of the field. They need to do that, Matt. I can't imagine standing in that line. I literally walked out there, like for about thirty seconds. I'm like, I'm gonna, Maybe do I try to go through this? I'm like, dude, there's no way to. You just have to sit here and wait for thirty minutes until you can go to your seats. It was uh, crazy.
3: It just. I know Ted. Before you jump in, so. It probably was super frustrating for the Mason people, too, trying to leave. They're probably trying to, like, I, I want to get out of here. Oh, I mean, yeah. can't even leave. The one other kind of weird thing, too, I, I thinking about what you just said, Jared, kind of maybe try to have sections. Probably like beginning of the fourth quarter, the Belleville people started to come and perfectly fine. Come support your team. You know, that's how it's set up. But it was almost a little weird because we're still trying to cheer on Karana and, you know, we're I still wanting want that game to game. get over with. And then yeah, Belleville is like, kind of starting to sit in front of us. And like they're, you know, trying to get their seats and like it's distracting. We're still trying to watch the game. But now all of a sudden, the crowd is turning orange with the Belleville people. So that part was just kind of odd to me. But again, I don't know how else they would do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the crowd was crazy, guys. I got there early, as you know, and uh, there was nothing but gold and black in the concourse, and there still was a ton of people at Buffalo Wild Wings as well. Uh, and again, I kind of would have liked it if the Corona crowd would have been on the opposite side of the press box because they were right down man. below us, and it was loud, but it would have been cool to see them all together while we're doing the broadcast. But all in all, uh, you know, Corona showed up, man. I mean, it was impressive, The the fans, I guess I should say.
3: Big if you're, so you've done a bunch of these games at Ford Field, and yep. uh, maybe recency bias and corona bias a little bit. Do you think it's one of the one one of the bigger crowds that you've seen at the at a state title game?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it was right up there. I got, hey, I, I got to give credit to Mason too, man. They, uh, yeah. they had a huge crowd themselves, and they were all decked out in red, so it was pretty obvious, you know, that they were all together and had that whole same side of the field as Corona. But yeah, I, I think so. I think it was right there with some of the biggest of all. You know, uh, you've been to a few of these too, Jared. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would love to see Corona at like a Breslin where you could where that crowd could really kind of fill it up. Like you probably remember yeah. back in the day, Matt.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's just Ford Field's so big it just swallows up the crowd, and no matter how many people you bring, it still feels like uh, there's still a million more seats to fill. But it was really cool. All the pictures I saw. Here's how you know it was a great crowd: is all the people who weren't from Corona, you know, Gianna Trotman, uh, all these other reporters from Detroit, D Zone. They were the ones that were posting pictures of Corona's crowd, saying, right. "Wow, the Corona really showed out." So that's when you know. Uh, they really did I was, game I was man. gonna mention was... that yeah, I was go gonna ahead.
3: mention that real quick that it reminded me of the Breslin thing when we went there in two thousand three for the final four obviously it wasn't a state title game it was the semifinals but uh it was different because kind of like what you said Jared the way Breslin does it they do kind of try and section off it wasn't just like you get this right. So I remember, I remember as a player, we ran out. And, I mean, it, Corona filled it up. I don't know if you remember, Ted. You called oh, it yeah. on the radio. I But definitely Corona remember. filled up the Breslin pretty well back in 03. But it was kind of, like, different. I Like, it started spilling up into, like, the higher seats. So I remember it was a little different. I'm sure I'd be curious to ask some of the players, like, when they first ran out yeah. you know, Sunday at Ford Field, if they, like, looked up and were like, holy crap. The and- whole town of Corona is here.
2: And you know, and it was kind of a weird feeling leaving that game. I mean, Matt, you go back to your basketball team. You left that semifinal game going probably, hey, I mean, just the better team won today. Oh, There's nothing, yeah. re- you know, it just it, so it's almost you know you left still left on a high note, yeah. And it still was an awesome season for Corona. You know, seeing them at Ford Field, man, it, I had goosebumps probably ten different times throughout that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just you left the game thinking, and, and that's when you know you're a damn good team, and and they made us proud, man, battling. So you left that game thinking like we we should we could have won that game. You know, yeah. it was yeah. not man among bo- man amongst boys like a lot of people probably thought it was going to be heading into that game. Corona had every shot to win that game that, you know, they're kicking themselves on that bus ride home. They, they know that they had every shot to win that game. So just a little bit of a bummer that that's how it ended, but really an awesome season That I mean, it's the best team ever without a doubt.
1: So mm-hmm. Well, let, let's carry on this conversation a little bit further as part of our prep spotlight, uh, presented by jacobs insurance agency we'll uh we'll get a little bit more into it before we get to college and lions football but first take a listen to this
5: success group mortgage and servicing is shiawassee county's only licensed mortgage broker lender and servicer that means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else if you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call, 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380.
2: Check out the Memorial Healthcare's Wellness Center in the now building on the campus of Memorial Healthcare. Memorial Healthcare's Wellness Center includes locker rooms, private showers, steam rooms, a sauna, a lap pool and more including a raised track for walking and running with views of the entire memorial campus and surrounding area personally i love it man sunday saturday morning get in there get a good workout in hit the sauna up and i also do the steam room so It's a perfect spot. I mean, I think it's only $12 for a day pass. But for those of you who are looking to join for a winter membership, it's up to 15% off for your membership when it's paid in full. Memorial Healthcare strives to bring healthcare and wellness together, servicing patients' needs from diagnosis to treatment to rehab and beyond. For more details, go online at www.memorialhealthcare.org or call 989-720-CARE. That's 989-720-2273. Jacob's Insurance Agency has served
3: Shiawassee County and the surrounding areas since 1977. Just like Three Point Podcasts, we've had three generations, Gary Jacobs Sr., Gary Jacobs II, Brian Jacobs, and myself, Noah Jacobs, serving our community with offices in Waterford and Owasso on M21, just west of Home Depot. Stop in or go online to jacobsinsurance.com to get a quote or get your questions answered by our team. Jacob's Insurance is a proud supporter of our local schools and the proud sponsor of the Prep Spotlight. Ensure everything, local, independent, and trusted. It's our family working together to protect yours. That's the Jacobs way.
1: All right, it's the Prep Spotlight presented by Jacobs Insurance Agency. And, you know, again, going back to the tailgate, it was was one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of, guys. I mean... (laughs) It really was. It, it it was it was a flashback for me. This was before your your guys's time. Maybe Matt, you might remember when I did some of the live remotes yeah. on the radio at Risto's Bistro. It, it was downtown in It was the days of uh, you know you had Marty equipment, so I had to set up an antenna and broadcast back to the station. It was it was a whole ordeal, but it was fun. It was fun as hell. You know, being in the oh, restaurant surrounded by fans that went to the football game. And this was Risto's Bistro times 10. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a, it was a madhouse. I mean, we you know, we did a great job. I thought you did a great job putting things together. You know, we had a nice uh, double table. We had people coming up just randomly grabbing them out of the crowd, come up to chat with us. Tremendous sponsorship. Again, we talked about Corey and Jim and Randy, but again, even here, our podcast sponsors kicked in swag to give away Memorial yeah, Healthcare, that. AZ, uh, Rivals Taphouse and Grill. I mean, it was, we had so many prizes. We were just, we were trying to figure out how to do it. So we'd have guests come up. We'd hand them something. We'd have c- people coming by. We knew we'd hand them something. I mean, it was right. just a great atmosphere. And, you know, they're going to make an, an official announcement on how much money was raised for the Corona Foundation. It was a heck of a lot of dough.
2: It and that's the thing, man. You know, when I mean you talk about the people who are kind of spearheading it, Corey Shook, Jim Woodworth, whenever they have their hands on something, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be well put together. Uh and, right. and that's what it was. I mean, 500 people right. kind of can't really wrap your head around it. I mean, you I really can't. So I no, I almost <laughs> right. wish I could have lived lived Sunday in like two different lives: one <laughs> doing what you guys <laughs> did, Quite and elite. then one doing what I did, which was working. So yeah, no, it looked freaking like an absolute blast.
1: I do have I a question for you, Jared. I know you were in the truck uh, pretty much two full days just in your little cave there. Uh, what were your specific duties during the game? And I want to say that uh, overall for the Corona game and all the weekend, actually, but the Corona game, especially, I thought just a, a real nice job uh, with the presentation, the, the backstories you guys covered. I mean, I, I thought it was very well done. No,
2: it, I mean, our producers they do a great, great job, man. I mean, that's our, you know, our head wings producer, head tigers producers. I mean, all week they're dedicated to that. And I mean, there's eight games to cover. So it's like Corona is just one little eighth of the pie, but I mean, the amount of work that goes into each and every one of those games, they do a great job. So I was, you know, it's, it's an AP position where you're helping uh, the producer with basically anything throughout the week, you're kind of his right-hand man with whatever he needs, helping with replays, you're helping the talent with whatever they need. Um, you're helping tell storylines. I mean, for the Corona, I was the one kind of pitching all those storylines for Corona and through all, all the other games, because, I mean, we talk about it all, all year on the on the podcast. I love high school football. So right. I think they love having me work this show because it's just I'm knowledgeable about it. And I played right. high school football uh, and all those sort of things. So, no, it was a lot of fun. And like you said, they really I really do think Bally does a really good job. Uh, putting these state finals on every year. I mean, the thing that I that we loved this year that we didn't have last year was we had the XMO camera looks, the slow-mo camera looks, which those look so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it was awesome having those for sure. Uh, but it's yeah, just, I mean, man, hearing, the, you know, Devin Gardner here and Matt Shepard, who Tigers, you know, voice for five years run a football. It's just not something you hear every day.
3: That's what I was going to say. I mean, kind of to that point, I had a few friends text and they were asking me if if the game was going to be up on YouTube. Um, At some point, because they were at Ford Field and they wanted to watch the the game on the the Valley Sports broadcast, because they heard they were like it was it's like a it's like you're watching the Lions it's like you're watching the Lions because there's replays you know they're cutting to the coach they're cutting to the crowd you know it it looks like a I mean it is it's a professional broadcast of a high school football high deaf too yeah it was clear yeah high deaf and everything and yeah so Valley Sports you guys you guys knocked that out of the park and what what's always cool to me too is uh, you know, Jared, you're definitely you definitely have a full taste of it now. You you understand fully how much work goes into it because you see all these side stories. You know, they have the stories about the kids. The Bauer family had a story, you know, the feature that you did. That stuff takes a lot of work. Oh, yeah. So when you talk about they're putting on eight of these high school football games, they have all of those side stories for 16 teams. You know, they've got to be prepared for right. everything. So and that's what hurt. you know, you don't, you don't realize, you know, it, it's not to try and say anything or whatever, but you don't realize when you're watching the game, how much pre-production work goes into these games, because you have to be prepared if there's if there's some stoppage in time or right, how are we going to fill that time? We got to have some stories to tell. We, right. And you want to make it interesting. These high school football games. People that are watching at home that just like high school football that have no idea what Corona is or where it is or even maybe have no idea anything about Catholic Central. You want to be able to have stories to tell people watching at home, oh, this is a great story. Oh, you know, I know they, the Bauer right. family, you know, the, the generations. That's they did a, really a story really on story. Austin
2: Oginski, Future Farmers of America. Yeah, that was cool. great. Right.
3: You yeah. want you want to have all that stuff that make a high school football state championship game cool. So I say all that to say, yeah, you, you guys, Valley Sports, you knock it out of the park.
1: Yeah. You know, and also moving on before we came into this uh, section, the prep spotlight, Jared, you were talking about the game. Let's talk about the game a little bit. Uh, You're exactly right. I think now that we've had a couple days back to reflect on it and the team and the coaches and everybody, the fans, man, that was a game that definitely could have been won by the Cavaliers. They were every bit as good talent wise as that Grand Rapids team. I mean, they had the two studs, the quarterback and the running back, you know, obviously they're, they're, lines were good too but uh man for man Toronto was right there and could have could have picked that one up
3: yeah I, I don't think it was the type of game kind of Jared you already kind of said it when not not to bring this back but right when we lost to Grand Rapids South Christian in basketball it was a tip your cap that team had five athletes going D1 in multiple sports and stuff like that so it was like we we put up a fight, but them.
2: That, maybe you beat them one out of twenty times. Right? You, you know we, right. we,
3: you have to play the best game in the history. You know whatever. Yeah. So that was a uh, you guys. You know, good job on you. I it wasn't like that on Sunday. I, I honestly think, you know, you you say the out of twenty. I think play ten times. I think Corona could beat them four so, or five times. I think it might be down the middle. Yeah. It, you know what what team catches a break? Can Corona bust a big play here and there? You know, and, and something like that. And that's what was cool to see because I think a lot of people we talked about it before you know, Grand Rapids, Catholic Central, East Grand Rapids, whatever. Some of these teams get to Ford Field. And then some of the the smaller schools, maybe from the east side, get to Ford Field and kind of get run off the field a little bit. And that didn't happen. Corona was right there. And, you know, Jason Hutton talked about it. He kind of said, like, get through the first quarter. If you don't get overwhelmed because it's Corona's first time at Ford Field, get overwhelmed with the moment and you're down 21 after the first quarter, get through that and you're going to have a chance. And Corona did. And, um, you know, I, I think I'd be curious to ask Coach Herrick if if he you know reflects back and maybe thinks about things that maybe could have done differently or some adjustments maybe that that could have been made. But uh, I think you know the, the the players fought till the end. I mean that that's what's cool to see. I mean, you know, they they were in the moment. They said, I mean, we're going to fight till the end. I mean, yeah. even even when it was starting to look like clearly it was, it was going to be a loss, you know, they kept fighting, kept playing. So. I think I think that was a cool thing to see that how hard they played and just the fact that they hung. They, they were there. It, it wasn't that's a, football. it wasn't a we don't belong here type right. of thing.
2: And that's football. That's what's sad about it. Is and that's what we love about the sport, man. It comes down to, you know, in games like that, it comes down to three or four plays. Right. <laughs> if the three or four plays swing the other way, who knows what could have happened. I mean, Tarek, uh the catch he had that was then ru- that was ruled incomplete on the field, they reviewed it, still ruled it as incomplete. I mean that was a catch. If that is if that call goes another way, you know, maybe it's 7 to 14 at halftime instead of 14 to 0 and trying right. to come out in the second half and score that first drive. Now we're tied up and who knows what happens. Now all the pressure's on GRCC. Uh, the, you know, there was the the really controversial play which a lot of, you know, I don't think the MHSA had the rules right or the referees. I don't Correct. think that it was a reviewable play on that third and four which basically sealed the game after uh grc had great field position following uh the basically the turnover there the you're talking about the Ains, Zeman yeah catch. Zeman, you know kind of trap slash catch you know and here's what my where my thoughts are on that it's stupid they shouldn't have been able to review it 100 we should be complaining about that but at the end of the day i mean the right call was made right you right. know the, the process was silly it took them six minutes from the time they went into review till they came out to make that decision uh unbelievable shouldn't happen again we're talking about the mhsa the coach's challenge needs to be done it it didn't work it made these games so much longer every time a review happened it's seven minutes it felt like every time so that needs to be done away that was the first year they did it It was this year just a bummer happens to be when corona's there
3: you know Um, unless unless they just did a quick adjustment and just did you know like one one challenge per half let's just make it each coach one challenge per half that's it it seemed like that like Ted, were you guys explained, you know, I I would assume you guys get game notes and stuff. Were you explained like what the new, or even you, Jared, I mean, you guys obviously with Valley, what the rules were, because that's what people in the crowd were like, who's reviewing this? It was explained to us. What what is happening? It was
2: a coach's challenge. And I still don't know what, I thought for sure if it's a coach's challenge that the team loses their timeout no matter what. I don't know if that happened. No, I, I really don't know. And I mean, here's the thing when we're watching that replay, it was clear as day. As soon as you saw it, one look of it. I know it's it sucks. It's stupid for you guys, Ted, calling the game that your guys' monitors don't show replays. No kid, get it in the actual stadium. We don't we don't need people turning on the refs. You know, uh, midway through the game. <laughs> right. um, but you saw it, and one look. It took five seconds to realize. Okay, it was not a catch. Let's yeah. just get out of it. Um. But for whatever reason, it took them six minutes. So, and that's where yeah. kind of so this confusion goes on. What the hell was going on? How did they even review this? I don't know. I really don't know what well, the real answer weird is. Weird to too. It. Sorry,
3: Ted. I know you're trying to jump in. What was weird on that is initially that I think they were going to call it a catch because they, they were talking.
1: Yeah, they called it a catch.
3: Coach Eric, yeah. was pointing first down. Zeman was pointing first down. So even the Corona crowds are saying, "All right, all right." And then all of a sudden, the review kept going. Right. And then all of a sudden, you saw Coach Eric starting to get clearly upset. So that's yeah. where it was like maybe the argument was, was it a coach's challenge or were the ref maybe, like you said, maybe the refs didn't know the rules.
2: You know, I don't know in, in here. I know you guys didn't get the chance to watch the Mason game, but Mason got boned a couple times times uh, on truly just reviews that were just flat out bad calls that they didn't change. Hmm. so I guess here's my thing is, yeah, it's stupid. It was a bummer. It just it, the right call was made, so yeah. I really can't complain too much about it. Yeah. I mean, the right call is made in the field, that's all we want at the end of the day, but flat out the process sucks. And us as Corona fans, man, we would have loved it if they would have just let that one ride and we should yeah. have just kept going,
1: yeah. So. And, and, and like the rules are the rules, I mean, it, that was a reviewable that was a, the coaches could have made a challenge, their coach could have made a challenge, but he didn't at first. And the play was stopped, and that allowed time for Great. him to review and then make the challenge. That was the bad part, but you're right, it was the right call, he didn't catch the ball. But I'll tell you what, playing that going back a little hindsight, just just think if that would have been that would have been held up. And Crona came out, they did make some adjustments to start the second half. You know, they went to the tight formation, ran it downfield, scored that touchdown on fourth down and seven. Wyatt got in the end zone. Another close call, almost a fumble, but he he crossed the line. But okay, it's 14-7. If the catch by Zeman is good, they're lined up to go downfield. They score again. I'll tell you what, then you're right. GRCC's on their heels a little bit. Toronto either ties the game or takes the lead with a two-point conversion. We got a whole different game. But it, once that play happened, and then once, you know, the bad punt afterwards, it was over at right. that
3: point.
2: Yeah.
1: And like, like was, you
3: said, to Jared, that's that's just how margin. football games go, especially, you know, football games like this and in high school. One one play that turns into, you know, an, an unfortunate punt, it just it changed everything. All – even in the crowd, like you could feel it in the yeah, stadium, like all, all the wind was out of the sails. It just felt like mm-hmm. uh, that was, yeah. that was kind of our last hope right there. But, you know, still Jared, you said it earlier. I mean, just an incredible run. Uh, we, we've talked Mount Rushmore's and all this stuff. The 23 team is clearly etched yeah. in stone at the top. I mean, just an awesome team, you know, they, uh, I mean, top to bottom, I mean, a complete team, we've said it all year, offensive line, defensive line, you know, linebackers, kicker, everything, obviously, you know, skill positions, just a super good team, what I see four, four players made first team all state. And, yeah. um, you know, that's just super impressive for, you know, a team like Corona to have four guys, first team all state. So, yeah, uh, you know, obviously the players, I'm sure, man, not, I'm sure. I know for a fact they're going to think about this the rest of their lives, and probably to an extent, be a little disappointed that they came up short. But well, forever. they have they have nothing nothing to be like. No, disappointed I mean
2: about. you talk about somebody who was like you know gave me goosebumps watching him play. Um, I mean, Eddington played like a man possessed. He really did, <laughs> offensively and defensively. I mean, when they started relying on him in that second half to carry the rod, that's when they it was him basically just. Power of mind, like I'm getting, a, I'm moving the chains for us, is kind of how it felt when they were handing the ball off. I mean, they, they were showing them uh you know after snaps on offense during that long drive throughout the third quarter where he was all over the field on defense all over the field on offense you know he's sitting there you know almost down on his knees in the huddle because he's so out of gas yeah. um so it was really cool seeing him he played really well man i mean whoever gets him whether it's gvsu or ferris i think they are gonna be really happy with uh what he does i mean i kind of tout him as the ultimate corona football player oh, yeah. you circle a guy who's like you know this guy embodies everything corona football it would be him uh, yeah. and it was just cool, man. Seeing, I mean, Kruna, it's, it's not every day you go to Ford field and you see Kruna's athlete stand toe to toe with yeah. a yeah. private school at like GRCC. So here, here, it's really here's a little ball cool
1: around, man. little side yeah. note for you. Uh, I mean, he was playing his guts out, him and his brother, both his grandma, Eddington passed away the day before.
3: Oh, I and thought think I did about see, that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So a lot of extra motivation there. And I, yeah. and again, I'm a hundred percent, uh, so proud of this team, you know. I'm a yep. Cavalier all the way. I, I I wore it in the broadcast. I was yeah. there was no bones about it. I was there for the Cavaliers. What's kind of cool, guys, is uh, there was a couple of radio stations up there from Grand Rapids. Brett Makita, Hutton's buddy, there was yep. there. We chatted with him. I uh, had a good conversation. And his counterpart radio station, I I forgot the gentleman's name, but uh, we were we were giving ourselves pleasantries. And he says, "Hey, man." I, I really like your podcast. So here's a radio oh. guy up in Grand Rapids listen to our listens to our podcast. So there that, that was kind of cool to hear.
3: Heck yeah. yeah! I mean, you know, we we try. Obviously, our focus, especially this year, has been Corona, Mid Michigan. You know, with Ovid Elsie and other teams making a run, but we try to branch out, get yeah, get oh, the yeah. Grand Rapids area and stuff. And one more thing, Colster, CC's coach. Yeah, he said in the in the post game interviews that they had a fight for every yard. He you know he right. was giving Corona a lot of high praise. So you know, when when a coach like him, who's been there basically every year, they've won six out of eight state titles, is giving Corona high praise uh-huh. for you know how hard CC had to fight to win that. Hey man, that, that's cool to hear. Yeah, for sure. Off. Yeah,
2: it, it was. Yeah, sorry, Ted, to cut you off. I know we're tying a bell on it, but yeah, it it really was. I mean, defense played great. They really did. I mean, in the state, you give up twenty one points in the state championship. I mean, we we knew that. We knew how good. I mean, what were they giving up? Seven points a game heading into the state final. Um so yeah, they, they looked really good. Uh well, my my favorite play real quick was uh it was Russell Dixon, their stud wide, or their stud running back. Uh second half run right around the left side and then it's Eddington and they just had a huge collision. Yes. Uh, and it was just it was really Or no, it was Eddington running it around the left side. Dixon came in to hit him and it was basically a stalemate. It was just awesome.
1: So Yeah. yeah. To tie cool it, to
3: to really tie it tie it off. Ted, we're we're burying the lead. What's that was that? your final game i know you you yeah. might step in maybe a couple times but you know officially no, no, that kinda, was it that was it <laughs> uh how so uh, so uh recap it how cool is it to tie off your long career calling a corona state championship game at ford field that had no, to be I, pretty pretty awesome
1: it was epic i mean it was yeah. the ultimate to you know when you think about it okay the last basketball game i did was a wasn't Corona, but it was Langsburg in a quarterfinal against Ecorse, which had a great team, you know, and it was a a great way to end the basketball season. then to come and do my Corona Cavaliers in the state championship at Ford Field, I mean, it was, like Jared said, you get goosebumps. I had goosebumps many times in that game. And it was just a blast, you know. I think we did a pretty good job on it for sure. Uh, Casey, Bart, myself, I think because of the – longevity of the game we had plenty of time to get our commentary in so we didn't have to feel rushed you know right. so so that was pretty cool yeah, yeah. i enjoyed it I, that was a good way to end it you know, i will be filling in every once in a while as a substitute but that's it I'm walking away from it full-time yeah. perfect way to end it hey and before yeah, we wrap you up know, this sec go ahead jared uh i was just to say
2: uh i mean you know coronas should be damn good at basketball as well so yeah yeah we, they, we might so be wait, seeing wait, so- the they if they put all the pieces together you Might you said impressive. your last
3: you you said your last basketball game was Lanesburg. Are you, you're you've handed off the mic to Casey for basketball too?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, it's okay. his now. I'm done. I'm done yep. as a as a full-time broadcaster for sure. It's Got Casey's it. time now. Hey, before <laughs> before we wrap up this segment guys, uh we had talked about it one time, probably again, people getting tired of us talking about corona sports. A couple things we wanted to do our Mount Rushmore. We want to do that. Or you want to table that.
2: I think table it. I I, I was okay. gonna I was gonna roll through uh kind of some other quick little recaps of some of the other games that went yeah. on this weekend. If no, that's go, good let's, go
3: do. let's go rapid fire on this. Yeah.
2: So the division one, I'll start with that. So I this was this game, game, the the ratings on this game were insane. Oh, uh, really? And and one, let me just say one last thing on the entire weekend. I love the Saturday Sunday. Um, I love that. I, I hope that that's the new norm. And I loved the <clears> moving <throat> the division one game to the last game of the weekend. That was perfect. Uh, really, the, really cool. the
3: one the one thing I heard some people saying on on Sunday was kids have school or, you know, whatever the next right. day that was that would maybe be the one thing. Whereas when it's Friday, Saturday, right. you know, you can you can maybe go to dinner in Detroit or, you know, do something like that. Right. That, that would be the one thing I heard people saying.
2: But yeah, I get and I get that. I get yeah. that. um So basically, I'm just hoping that they keep filling that Friday uh, and basically give us no other option is what I'm but saying.
3: no wait. Don't fill it with Michigan State, so the Spartans logo is at midfield for the high school. Yeah, go ahead and fill Friday, but we'll that get was it. like no, get that. We'll Spartans get to the Lions, and it's man. It's not because it's not because I'm a Michigan fan. Like, no, this is you're at Ford Field, high school football. The Michigan State logo should not have been at midfield.
2: Yeah, That's we'll funny. we'll talk about the Lions, <laughs> man. They the budget and everything they did this weekend was horrible. We'll get to that. Okay. Um, <laughs> God, it was horrible. Uh, but Division One game real quick. So Zeke Marshall, quarterback for uh, Southfield A&T, going to Kansas. What a game. He I mean, up. he couldn't be sad. He showed up. He was doing he it all with his Bryce legs. Yeah, he basically outplayed Belleville's quarterback, number one player in the junior class. I mean, what a matchup that really was and what an upset. I mean, Belleville came to the game on a 38-game win streak, and here comes Southfield a and I didn't give him a chance. I'll be honest. I didn't give him a chance. I've seen a lot of Southfield a games the last couple years. Uh, I really didn't. But uh, that was the definition of a guy putting the team on his shoulders. I mean, I think he carried the ball twenty plus, twenty plus times, threw the ball, you know, twenty five plus times. Uh, what I loved about their game plan was they said, our best player is our quarterback. We're going to live and die on his legs. We're going to live and die on his right arm. So they bring in two offensive linemen. They don't have a running back. And basically, they're just saying, we have seven offensive linemen on the field. If we're running it, it's going to be Zeke Marshall. And if we're throwing it, we're going to have seven people in pass protection for him. It worked (laughs) like a charm. They came out ready to play, man. Belleville came out flat. A&T came out saying, we're going to win this game. We're going to go out and win this game. And their head coach, Coach Aaron Marshall, has gotten, you know, some flack about some of their game plans over the year. Their defense played great. Their offensive game plan was awesome. I mean, what a great, great game. And Zeke Marshall, Tossie Braceville is a stud wide receiver for them going to Toledo as well. Really, really good kids. So I was just really proud to see them kind of get it done, get over the hump for Southfield schools, finally win a state title for them. Uh, any comments on Division One, real quick before I go to Division Two? Just that I didn't
3: watch because, you know, it was after the Corona game, we were, you know, out or whatever. And I haven't watched the replay, but that's that everything, you know, looking on Twitter and, you know, whatever else people were just so shocked that Belleville didn't win that Bryce Mm -hmm. Underwood kind of, I mean, he played okay, but Bryce Underwood almost got showed up. So um, just, just a shocker.
1: Yeah. I don't want to dog on a high school kid, but I think he got a little bit of humble pie. I saw the feature on right. him interviewed on Valley, man, he was pretty full of himself, which I understand, you know, one of the best quarterbacks around, but it was, it was nice to see that uh, Southfield came up with a win.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, so, all right, moving on to D2, uh, Muskegon versus deal Sal. I mean, what, this was a fun to Jason, game. Tale two Jason Hutton, Jason Hutton said that Muskegon had a shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Makai guy. I don't know how the, I saw after the game, he's posting about getting offered by a, you know, D three schools, Albion. What is going on? What, what, I mean, do we need to get Tony and East on this pod? How is this guy <laughs> not a division two recruit? Exactly. Wow. It was the performance of the weekend. It really was. He couldn't be tackled. Uh, so first half, cool little, story, cool little behind the scenes of how we're kind of seeing it. First half he get, he's getting killed. Uh, they're not blocking kind of Olay blocks. As you would say, he gets sacked, gets crushed. Two guys, basically sandwich him at once. He goes into the huddle, Grabs his left tackle, who's kind of just, you could tell he's really down on his luck, like, God damn. He g- grabs the troops, rallies them. Out, out they come in the second half. They score, like, 21 unanswered, and he's running wild. I mean, it true inside beer, Corona football from, you know, your day and age, or even before that, Matt. Matt, Just perfection. Just a one-man wrecking crew. Housed a couple 80-yard-plus runs. Had a throw of a 90-plus, just electric. Uh, And good to see Muskegon kind of get over that hump. I mean, they made it to the state final seven years out of the last, uh, you know, under Shane Fairfield, and they've only won one state title. So now that is two, uh, now that they got it done versus Dio Sal. So just Makai guy, wow. Not sure why there's not more recruitment around that kid. He's impressive. Uh, Division three, real quick, we talked about Mason, how big of a crowd they had. Awesome to see Mason make it there. Uh, their star running back, A.J. Martell, four-sport state qualifier, wrestling, swimming, football, um, and what is the – in track. Stud athlete, Mr. Football candidate gets banged up in the first half, can't go the whole second second quarter. I love listening to him talk. So you said wrestling? He's state qualifier
3: in wrestling and swimming.
2: Yeah, basically the story goes with swimming is he was just met the team does a recovery day in the pool. The swimming coach saw him diving off the off the the diving board, said you could be a state qualifier tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> uh, with your with your dive off the board, so he came out for swimming was a state qualifier just like that. Wow. Awesome class that kid. I think he's got like a fourteen thirty SAT. Cool. Um, but they interviewed him after the game. He's he's kind of you know relishing you know recapping the season, tears flowing from his eyes. I mean, if you want to see a great great interview, check out the D Zone's post game interview with AJ Martell. Really good kid. But for Forest Hill Central, their head coach Tim Rogers retired after the game, but they had one stud man Ty Hudkins. I think he's going to Purdue. Boiler up. Looked like a man among boys out on the field out there. He had the second best play of the weekend behind Belleville with that sweet interception they had behind the back. He made it an incredible 60-yard touchdown catch, almost like what Tarek did in the corona game. Caught it, first contact about the 20-yard line, carried you know two, three guys all the way into the end zone for the score. So good for Forest Hill Central. They got killed by Salle last year, 52-13. to Good to see them kind of come back ready to play this year, and they get it done. Uh, moving on quickly, Division 4, GRSC versus Harper Woods. I mean, we've this is Carson Viz and Jake Vermas, the quarterback and wide receiver for GRSC. Wow, are they impressive. What a game. And what yeah. a game. Those two, what a duo. I mean, I think these he had probably the best singular quarterback performance I saw outside of Zeke Marshall. I mean, through 400 yards in Division 4. Uh, they're two stud basketball players. Uh, that are going to be that are going to be quite the duo on the basketball court this year, and a loaded Class B, uh, which is going to have Corona in it as well. So we could be seeing them down the line. Uh, and Harper Woods, I mean, I honestly thought they were going to lose, but they played one hell of a schedule throughout the year. Division four school playing teams like Southfield Ant, they were definitely prepped for this game. Jacob Odin played a great game defensively for Harper Woods. He's going, going to, Michigan. to Michigan. he's the back. Yeah, he played a great game, trying to kind of limit Vermas as much as you could. Uh, but that was a really fun matchup, seeing those guys go back and forth. All right, two more games. D6, Kingsley versus Alma. I love watching D6 and 7 every year. You see some of these offensive wrinkles. I mean, Kingsley had this wing tee sort of offense where these offensive linemen were doing some of the coolest pulls. Uh, they had one play that they housed wide open touchdown on kind of a counter play. Left tackle opens up, looks to his right, like acts like he's kind of lost for a second. All of a sudden, the counter comes back around the other way. Spin cycle, leads around the left edge, uh, wide open for a touchdown. I mean, if you want to see a well-coached team with an awesome little kind of offensive scheme that you don't see every day, Kingsley, man. I, I, it was awesome. Tim Wuwer is the head coach. I want to make sure I said his name. Really impressive scheme. I really loved watching uh, that game. Last one, D7, Lumen Christie wins again. I mean, Herb Brogan, my God, Ted, he's been doing it almost as long as you have. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that's 11 state titles now. Just right. unbelievable. Uh, real quick shout out. I'm a nominee. You know, a lot of people probably thought they were going to get killed in this game, but they had a stud man, quarterback Trevor Newarkoff. Impressive on both sides of the ball. We did a pack where it showed him taking off his gloves as he goes from quarterback on offense to DB on defense. Uh, and I think he had like 14 tackles, and he was making plays all over the field for a quarterback for them. Kind of a one-man band, really trying to make it happen down the stretch. But Kadell Williams, running back for Lumen Christie one of the most impressive backs we saw this weekend outside of maybe Russell Dixon for GRCC. I mean, three touchdowns, uh, just a hell of a weekend, man. It was the first weekend in a long, long time. No running clocks. Every yeah. game yeah. was close. Every game could have gone re- either way. Really? Uh, so just a really fun weekend tie a bow on it. That's all the divisions. Quick little recap.
1: Here. Well, yeah. oh, don't so, forget so. division eight. I'll believe finally get to win. Yes.
2: Yep, you're right. For some reason, I didn't write them down. I was prepping before we started recording. Ubley gets, re- gets rematched against uh, Ottawa lake Waitford, who they lost to last couple years. Yeah. They get it done this year. Pretty awesome to see in Division 8.
1: Now you can wrap a bow on it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Take right. a deep breath. Yes. <laughs> well, good stuff, Jared. I-, I know you wanted to get out here. And good recap of the high school football games. We'll move on now and talk a
5: little uh, Michigan football right after this. Are you ready to take your brand to the next level? Look no further. Introducing AZ Branding Solutions, where we help grow your brand from A to Z. At AZ, we're committed to helping businesses and organizations like yours reach new heights. Our full-service print and digital branding agency is your one-stop destination for all things branding. Need a stunning web or graphic design that captures your essence? We've got you covered. Want captivating social media content that engages your audience? Done. And that's not all. We're experts in video production and photography, ensuring your brand tells a compelling visual story. Plus, we specialize in screen printing and embroidery, turning your brand into wearable art that speaks volumes. Whether you're a startup or an established business, AZ is here to transform your brand dreams into reality. Ready to grow with us? Partner with AZ today and experience the difference. Visit our website at www.az.co or give us a call at 1-844-360-AZEE. AZ Branding Solutions, where your success begins.
3: Corey Shook and Associates Real Estate Services is the official and exclusive realtor and broker for Three Point Podcast. Corey and her team have been providing personal, Exemplary service and real estate sales since 2004. Corey Shook and Associates Real Estate Services are total professionals helping you sell your current house or buying your dream home. Stop in at 216 West Exchange Street in Owasso Get info online at coreyshook.com and follow on Facebook at Corey Shook Realtor for more details. If you are looking for honesty, ambition, and expertise, you're looking for Corey Shook and Associates Real Estate
0: Services.
1: All right, guys, how satisfying was it? I know, Jared, you didn't get to see it live, but how satisfying was it to uh, see Michigan put uh, Ohio State down three years in a row, this time again without their head coach, Jim Harbaugh? I mean, it was just a big-time victory for the Wolverines.
3: You know, I've seen some people take a shot, of course, Hmm. at Michigan um, and Jim Harbaugh. That they've won these three games at Penn State, then Maryland, and then now versus Ohio State without Harbaugh on the sidelines, take a shot at them, in a sense of saying like he's not that important to the team if they can <laughs> win these games without him on the sidelines. And I saw a clip uh, Colin Cowherd basically said who he's a he's a Jim Harbaugh guy. He, he oh, seems yeah. to really like Michigan in the program, yeah. but he basically said like he thinks it makes Harbaugh it gives him even more credit. You know he 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 made the comparison of like a CEO or something when they're not there and the company keeps running, you know, on on all cylinders Mm -hmm. that it gives Harbaugh more credit that he can prep the team all week, prep the coaches all week, build the game plan. And then he can, he can not be there on Saturdays and things just keep clicking. And it's a credit obviously to Sharon Moore taking over. I mean, the, the, the Broyles award for the best assistant coach and, in college football. I mean, just give it to him now. Uh, he, there's no way he should not win that award. 100%. But, uh, no, as far as the actual win, I mean, three in a row over Ohio state, Ted, I mean, you beating Ohio state anytime is the, is just the, the chef's kiss on a season. The last, last game of the year, even if it's like an eight and four year, but you yep. beat Ohio state, it's the best thing ever. So when that win comes giving Michigan another trip to the college football or well, the big Big 10 championship game. And then hopefully the college football playoff, it makes it even sweeter. So, uh, and, and it's also just to see all the distractions and all the BS off the field, you know, Ryan day kind of running his mouth a little bit and all that kind of stuff to see. I I think Michigan has his number. I think right now, Ryan day, he coaches the game differently against Michigan. I don't think they know what to do to beat Michigan. I, I, you know, they've got all these crazy skill players. The best receiver in the country, and they don't know how to use him. And I, I just think right now, Michigan has Ohio State's number.
2: Ohio we State doesn't know what to feeling. do against Michigan. We know that feeling. You know, yeah. you know when you don't know what to do, right? We, we felt that for like whatever ten plus years. Right. Where it's just like we have no, we have no answers. It doesn't matter what we do, they're just going to find a better uh, answer for it. Um. Real quick, bitch. What in God's green earth is going on with Fox? You know they're shutting down all these YouTube channels that are usually <laughs> posting these recaps. I mean, I told you guys, I'm not gonna lie. I, all I've seen of this game so far is an eight minute recap. Wow. They used to have thirty minute, forty minute recaps. Why can't I watch the game replay anywhere? It's been annoying as hell. That doesn't dampen how sweet this win was. I don't even need to see it. I, I I've seen it the last two years. Toughness <laughs> for it. They're better in the trenches. They're tougher. They're just more prepared. JJ McCarthy. I don't even know how well he played, but I know that he outplayed McCord. Good. Um, and and I mean, just it's sweet, man. I don't. I, we don't understand. We talked about it all leading up to this game. I don't know why Ohio Ohio State did this to themselves. There's the rumor that that they were the ones against Michigan. At the very least, we know that Ryan Day was one of the most vocal guys on that conference call, saying Michigan needs to be punished now. Right. And so because of that, it, we're seeing it, man. Carmel. Now Ryan Day's on the hot seat. You you yeah. if they would have just let Harbaugh coach this game, we knew Michigan was the better team this year. We knew it the whole year. We we saw it, and I mean, if we're beating them when they have CJ Stroud MVP candidate, I think we're going to be okay going against Kyle McCord. So they should have just been quiet. They should have just took this loss to Harbaugh instead of Sharon more. Now it looks way way worse. And I mean, what do you guys think? Is Ryan Day now on the hot seat? Is he going to be fired for this? Are they going to keep just retreading this thing and hoping something changes by next year?
1: I don't know. I think it's I think it'd be hard to fire him. Right. Uh, but he is definitely on the hot seat you know uh one loss is one loss but it's against Michigan but uh yeah he got out coached by more i mean there's no doubt about it and he flat out said before the game he was going to be aggressive and then right. second series fourth and one near midfield he punts it right then you knew that he was scared you know and playing not at- to lose
3: Yep. At the end of the second quarter, they had a chance maybe to try and go for a touchdown. And right. but they they let the clock run out, called a timeout, and Sharon Moore iced the kicker. It worked yep. perfectly. And then Ohio State missed the kick at the end of the half. So that right. was another chance that Ohio State could have tried to put a little more, you know, go for a touchdown. And they like I said, he I just I don't know if he's feeling the pressure or what, but no, I don't think they should fire him. But, you know, Buckeye Nation, especially if they end up not somehow slipping in to the college football playoff, uh, Ohio State fans are going to want him gone a few, especially if Michigan extends Harbaugh and right. Harbaugh comes back or whatever is going to happen there. But no, I mean, I think he only has like one other other loss in the Big Ten. And it's, you know, so it's like, I, I mean, he's got like, he's like 56 and one against everyone else right. but Michigan. So it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, what else are you
1: going to do? But. Now, now, you guys are in broadcast, and I had to throw this out here just to get it off my chest again. Joel Clatt and Gus Johnson have been big Michigan supporters, but in this game, they seem to have a complete opposite bias towards Ohio State. I'm, I was very confused. I don't know if it's because they've been getting a lot of flack from Ohio State fans well, or or what. I think, they flipped on us. Maybe I think everybody
2: roots for the underdog, man. I mean, that's what yeah, it is. is everybody wants to see – Big bad Michigan go down, finally. No, Michigan's (laughs) been the villain all year. I didn't notice that. I mean, like I said, I didn't sit there and watch every second of this game. I'm still upset about it. I'm still trying to. Um, I didn't notice that. But uh, one thing I did know was Joel Klatt talking about after the game, one of the sweetest moments he's ever seen in college football was when Zinter had that injury, uh, which totally deflated Michigan. It Uh, did. And as he's getting kind of, you know, carted off the field, which, I mean, what a great career he had, All-American, Whoever it gets him in the NFL is going to be lucky. Great player for Michigan for the last couple of years. years. Uh, but he gets card off the field and then, you know, the crowd starts cheering, you know, Zach's name. Wouldn't you know what? Play later. Quorum houses a touchdown. I mean, what was that like watching that kind of t- take hold live? What, what was your guys' opinion of that kind of moment?
3: I mean, I think Clat laid it out. If you haven't seen that clip, he talked about it on, you know, it's on Twitter and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, he was there in the stadium. It's Ted emotional. and I weren't there in the stadium. So, watching on TV, but you could sense what you just said, Jared, that it deflated the team. Cause you know, obviously on on TV, they're cutting to all the players watching him and you can tell some of the guys were crying. Um, They're hugging each other. You know, whenever any of these like gruesome injuries happen, I think, you know, it's got to give you a a sense of like, Oh man, that could have been me. You know? Mm -hmm, So you, you have to wonder what's going to happen. You know, you wonder how a team's going to respond And then when they don't show the replay, you know, you know it's nasty if they're not going to show the replay. Um, And then you just wonder like who they put in? Are they going to be able to play as well as Zach Zinter? But so that that was the vibe I got. You asked about you know watching on TV. It was like it was that weird feeling of like oh man this could this could really deflate the team. But then yeah quorum goes and then he gives a six five to the camera. It's just like that after that play i was like oh we got this we got i mean it's still got a little little close at the end yeah
2: where did this rank in your guys' opinion where does this rank against those last two wins we've had ohio state you know just as sweet or i mean i don't think anything can really stand up to that 2021 game finally getting over the hump but uh i mean it's got to feel good man with everything that that has happened this year seeing sharon moore stepping in for harbaugh this team rallying around everything not getting i mean it's so impressive that they haven't that they haven't stumbled. I really don't know how, I really don't know how it's It's like an NFL team, man. It really is.
1: It's Uh, amazing. This was a huge win. I mean, yeah, you're right. The 2021, that was the one in the snow and everything else. Kate McNamara, that whole thing. That was, that was incredible. But this one, I, I, you know this was this was special just because the whole playoff era has changed you know this right, is the right. this was all the marbles were on the line for probably the last time when Michigan plays Ohio State as long as they're doing it at the end of the year two unbeatens. the winner goes to the playoffs more than likely the loser stays home uh it was huge it was it was awesome it was just yep. so great to see and you're right about Michigan being the villain i mean what on earth you know they beat Ohio State, and they still don't move into the number one spot. I mean, there is definitely a bias against this team.
3: There is. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. I forget who said it. I th- I don't know if it was Rich Eisen or it might have so. been Joel Klatt. Someone someone after last night. So we're recording Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. Obviously, college football playoff rankings come out, and someone one one of those guys tweeted out how ridiculous it is that it's like what it's like twelve administrators basically are in a room deciding these um, you know the who's going to make the playoff and and not that they don't know what they're talking about not that you know hopefully they're not you know because like ward manual michigan's athletic director is on that committee so you know hopefully there's not people in there showing their bias and you know if they don't like michigan they're saying no we don't want michigan number. hopefully hopefully none of that's going on but for Georgia to still be number one after Michigan. So Penn State's number 10, Ohio State's number five, right? Five or six.
2: Six.
3: Six. So Michigan has two wins, one of them on the road, against two of the teams that you put in the top 10. And you're not going to put them at number one? You know, that it's just really, like you said, it seems like there's a little bit of bias. And I don't know. It seems like to me that they're trying to set it up. To get make sure that an SEC team gets in because Mm -hmm. you got Georgia at one. If they happen to lose the SEC title game, you know, are you really going to drop them all the way from one? You know, you're going to move Bama up. So it seems like they're trying to like set up a scenario.
2: It really seems like we're going to have a doomsday scenario. We know we've always talked about it. It's perfect that it happens in the last year of the college football playoff. I mean, Texas sitting there, going to be a Big 12 champion, beat Alabama. I mean, if Alabama beats Georgia, I think Alabama gets in. Probably. So it's just. there's no way you keep sec champion out there's right. I, I'm, there's just no way you do that if you do that it's not even a real college football playoff uh, so that's what teams.
3: that's where the you know we don't have to get in unless we want to a huge college football playoff that's where i feel like they're setting it up because right if alabama wins are you really going to keep out one lost alabama sec champ
2: right so with you the know, biggest, biggest win of the year against georgia biggest,
3: biggest win of the year against the number one team georgia so then if that's the case are you going to slide georgia all the way out with one loss so that's I what think i mean do. I, they're almost like setting it up to put two sec teams in there which would just be insane mm-hmm. it would just be crazy to me when you so are let's like, just real quick Florida State, washington texas all these other teams
2: there's more stuff to get to i mean michigan what a, this is like the most loaded pod we've really ever had um so <laughs> if, right now they have it as georgia one, so an sec team's getting in michigan yeah. as long as they don't yeah. blow it they're in uh Oregon or Washington is in. Yep. That, who's that fourth slot? Who who is the lead candidate for it right now? Is it is it Florida, Florida State. State? Florida State. Yeah, Florida State. So Florida State. that's a bummer, man Is Florida State lost Jordan Travis, so you kind of right. hope they slip that up hurts. this weekend. Um and yeah, maybe if somebody Florida's, else can take that slot like a Texas, but right. we'll
3: see. If Florida State wins, they're undefeated. You have to assume Florida yeah, State they're wins, in. they're in. You're right. You got to put them in. If they lose, that's where it starts to get crazy. Because like you said, Texas, if they win the Big Ten Championship, they have one loss, but they beat Alabama. So it would be like they have that that head-to-head. So say Alabama wins the SEC Championship and Texas wins the Big 12 Championship. They're both sitting there with one loss and a conference championship, but Texas beat Alabama head-to-head. So it's kind of like who are you going to put in? If you put Alabama in – over texas then you're saying the head-to-head doesn't matter
2: right you know and I, I mean? but here's the thing i guess I, you don't you don't you agree matt you put bama in over texas because they just beat georgia yeah it's just it's right. it's, it's, it's funny right. man there's a reason they're going to 12 teams but it you was and just kind of bring it full circle you are right ted that it is it is a bummer and that's what made this win so special against ohio state is i mean next year this game isn't going to mean the same you know both right. teams are probably still going to be in the playoff um, or if Michigan, you know, I, I don't expect Michigan to take that much of a step down. Uh, they're definitely not going to be as good ne- next year, but yeah, you would assume that that game's really going to have nothing on the line that both teams are going to be still in the playoff, no matter what. Well, so.
3: I mean, yeah, to play a little devil's advocate, it's still Michigan, Ohio state. So it's still a big deal, but it could be a place in the big 10 championship game. So, you know, you're, you're still putting value right. on the big 10 championship. I don't disagree with you guys because it, it does take a little away. And then the other thing could be, the, the 12 team, if they end up doing it where like the first four seeds get to host a game, it could affect that. Yeah, it could change. Sure. You could host your first round game versus having to go on the road. So there, there still could be some.
1: But th- this was like you said, Ted, this was
3: all the marbles. This was yeah, this was it. Yeah.
1: Well, and if you look at next year's schedule, too, if Michigan's there knocking on the playoff door, man, with that schedule they have, it's going to be amazing. (laughs) I forgot
2: about that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be fun to watch next year. It really is. Yeah. Um, Hey, yeah, we,
3: Michigan fans need to just relish in this season right now because no question, if they go undefeated next year,
1: that's going to be very impressive. Be, before we move off of college football, I mean, we got to talk a little bit of Spartans. I mean, they yep. they a, a stinker against Penn State, you know, at Ford Field, forty-two to zip. But the biggest news was signing Jonathan Smith, and you know everything I've seen and what he's done at Oregon State. I mean, that seems like a pretty solid hiring, not, not all glitzy, none of that, but seems like they might've made the right choice with him. What do you guys think? I mean, I think he's definitely a good coach
3: because he, he took Oregon state who was bad when he came in and he turned them into, I mean, they won, I think eight or nine games last year and another good season this year. So, you know, he, he turned them around Oregon state, not a perennial powerhouse program, he went to or he played quarterback at Oregon. He's a West Coast guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's from California. He went to Oregon State, played quarterback there, and yep. then obviously coached at Oregon State. So similar Jim Harbaugh, you know, Scott Frost went back to Nebraska, similar story to that. So that would be my only one thing. Mm-hmm. Um like, does he? I don't know if the does he like understand, does he know how to recruit and all that the Midwest and the Big Ten? Obviously now, actually, maybe it helps because Oregon, Washington, UCLA are coming to the Big Ten, so maybe now you know he'll have some connections, you know, in that sense. But no, I think you know, Spartan fans were setting their bar high. They wanted Urban Meyer. I don't think right. that was ever going to happen. So I think if you want to call this a consolation prize, I think, yeah, it's a it's a good hire. The one kind of bad thing: all three of their quarterbacks have hit the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Their their top three quarterbacks, their three quarterbacks who played this season, yeah, are all in the all transfer down. portal. So uh, this this guy. I don't know if they have any recruits coming in next year or he's he's going to have to hit the transfer portal and find some quarterbacks. But
2: Yeah, I saw Hauser transferred because basically he's from that area. I think he's from California right in their backyard in Oregon State, and Oregon State never offered him. Uh, right. So he basically said right to Jonathan Smith, like, you didn't want me then. I'm not. I know you want me now. I'm not staying. I'm out. So yep. I, <laughs> yeah. you just—it's rare you see something like that happen. So that was—I just thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, you—you you nailed all the kind of notes on what his backstory is, Matt. The only thing I saw was that he also was kind of offensive coordinator under Chris Peterson, uh, you know, at Washington. I think Chris Peterson is one hell of a coach. He's the famous Boise State coach that really got them rolling. Yep. Uh, so that's good lineage to have. Uh, this was the opposite of the Mel Tucker hire, you know, yeah. not no splash, all substance. Right. Uh, he's, I mean, he went ten and three a couple years ago to Oregon State. They've only had three double digit wins in, uh, you know, in Oregon State history. So it just show us how hard that was to do. I mean, they're a good squad. They really had Washington. If they could have just played that game a little bit better, they probably could have beat Washington a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's an it's it, it seemed like the right move. Let's mm-hmm. go in the opposite direction. Let's get a guy who's going to be, you know, seem, seemingly he's going to do all the right things. Uh, let's just try to get us back on track here. Even if it's just, let's just stay out of the negative headlines for a right. while, maybe we, we, you know, and he said that basically it's going to be, you know, there's a lot of work to do. I don't expect Michigan state to be great next year. I don't expect them to be no. honest. I don't really expect them to make a bowl game next year. So this is, this is the long, the, you know, they, they need to be patient with this guy and give him two, three years to really kind of put his hand fingerprints all over this program, because It's in dire straits, man. I mean, 42-0 to to Penn State, my God. On the fast track at Ford Field, I didn't watch a second of that game, but good Lord, can that season just end for Michigan State already?
1: You didn't miss much. (laughs) That's for sure. Yeah, I think good hire. Uh, You know, Michigan State has to get to the status like Iowa consistently, right. you know, win in enough games to be a 9-win team, a 10-win team. For instance, I don't know how he's done it there at Iowa this year to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> pretty solid defense, but you know, if Michigan doesn't beat them by at least 21, there's something wrong. But right. I don't see how they can score against this Michigan defense. But hey, funny things happen in college yep. football.
3: The one thing I wonder if, you know, talking about that game, the Big 10 Championship game coming up Saturday night is is Michigan going to knowing that Iowa probably will not be able to score more than 10, 14 points. Right. If Michigan gets to 17, 21, 24 points, are they just going to go, we're handing the ball off the rest of the game, and we're just going to run this clock out because we know Iowa's not scoring points. So, you know, saying can they beat them by 21, they might just get up 14, 17 points and say we're good. True. Here, Cor, let's just, you know, who knows. I'll be curious to see how they play that game.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I always love watching him at the Big Ten Championship, man. It yeah. is awesome. Yeah. It, it feels big time. Lucas Oil, awesome location for it. Uh, I always enjoy that game. I don't care if it's if it's a blowout, which I expect it to be. Always a fun game. You always love seeing it and collecting that it's, trophy from the Big Ten Commissioner at the end. Who's not? I was waiting gonna that. say, That's especially awesome.
3: with Harbaugh back on the sidelines and potentially, I you know he he he's a goofy dude. He's a weird dude, and he <laughs> he doesn't seem to like you know. Um, he doesn't take shots. Even after the Ohio state game, he wasn't saying anything bad about Ryan day. You know, he wasn't, you know, he might kind of slide something in there, but it's not a
0: blatant
3: FU type of thing. Right. So if they win and the commissioner has to hand him a trophy, I'm very curious to hear what he says. I bet he just says the classic. Thanks Michigan fans, you know, go blue or whatever, but
1: it'd be shocking if he did anything about that. Shocking. It would be, it would be. And by the way, speaking of Harbaugh, Brad Galley is that his name? The the yeah. reporter out of Detroit. Boy, he's got some job. good access to him, doesn't he? I mean, it, every, those interviews. Brad awesome. Galley
2: is he's 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 great man. Yeah. He really is. He does a great job. Uh, for I want to make sure I get it right. I think Fox too. Is who he uh-huh. works for. Yeah, he's with? Fox he does an awesome job. Yeah, those interviews – I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, you say access. I mean, he worked for that. You know, it's not right. like he just showed up at Michigan right. and said, "Hey, I'm going to interview every week." Jim Harbaugh. And it 100%. takes time.
1: It does.
3: Well, it takes time and, and trust. Uh, yeah, yeah, and trust. Right. He, Harbaugh's not going to give just anyone that access. So, right. you know, he, he obviously trusts Brad and yeah, those, those things every week are super good. I mean, they, you know, sometimes they walk around the practice facility or um, Harbaugh's office, even, yep. and you know, they, they get some like personal stuff going.
1: It's yeah. Cool. well, I, I love it. Go blue Saturday night. Yep. Uh, and let's wrap this podcast up after this little break and talk a little Lions football and see what's going on there. We'll be right back after this.
4: When it comes to an emergency, time matters. At Memorial Healthcare in Owasso, our emergency department is Fast ER. We feature low wait times, and we're just a short drive from Flint and Lansing. With emergency trained providers and verification as a level three trauma center, Memorial is an acute stroke ready hospital. For fast, friendly treatment of minor illnesses and injuries, Memorial Healthcare Urgent Care in Owasso and Durand is now open seven days a week with service from 10 a. To 8 p.m. No appointment is needed, and we're conveniently located on North State Road across from Meyer in Owasso and on Lansing Road in Duran. We offer on-site x-ray and lab services too. Stop in Monday through Friday, 7:30 a.m. to 8 p.m. in Owasso and 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. in Duran. Saturday and Sunday, lab hours are from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. in both Owasso and Duran memorial healthcare fast cr and with urgent care lab and x-ray services now seven days a week we invite you to find out more and visit us at memorialhealthcare.org
1: all right guys you know i was down there at uh, the lions game uh what, what?
4: <laughs> i forgot about that
2: i sorry to cut you off but no i can't wait to talk i, I was wondering like what are we even going to talk about with the lions i totally forgot you were there for that slaughtering i can't wait for this segment now.
1: <laughs> yeah it was very disappointing uh you know, first of all I want to say if you ever want to go to the Lions on the on the cheap as you can, definitely hook up with standing room tickets. I mean, I had no issue at all. Really good good view. Uh, I was on the second level right at the very front of the second level at a rail so I could at least lean against the rail. Uh you know, for a 66-year-old guy, it wasn't bad at all watching right. the game. So that part was was a positive. The the bad part was it was Turkey Day, and they played like turkeys, man. That was an (laughs) awful game. I mean back to back bad games you know yeah they pulled it off against the bears but uh, they were not ready from the get go against the packers i mean jordan love looked like a uh, young aaron rodgers the way he threw the ball the re- way he ran the team i mean they got dan campbell we love him but i think he got out coached in this game as well packers were ready to go they they won the flip and said we're taking the ball we're driving it right downfield against your pitiful defense yeah, and uh, they did now now the lions got to figure out how to regroup Pitiful defense that
3: now is going to be without Alex Anzalone for a Ugh. few weeks because he got hurt, and uh, you know he's it's obviously a, le- a leader on that defense. We've yep. said it for a while. This team just generates no pass rush. None. If it's not if it's not Hutchinson beating his guy, no no one else is really getting to Jordan Love or whoever they're playing. So and- I don't know about you guys, man, but not not to move on from the actual game, but I'm starting to feel a little like the Lions might start to let this thing slip away. <laughs> because Jordan or Jared Goff I'm not I'm not getting into this again but he's he's looked pretty bad the last couple of weeks turning the ball over and fumbling the ball and throwing, the throwing interceptions I don't know what's going on there like I saw someone say they wonder if his hand if he has an injury because he's not like grip, gripping the ball that well or something but so they finished they've got the Saints this week should be a winnable game but then you know they got the Bears again who they just struggled with at sh- in Chicago, oh, it's going to be. but cold. then, you know, it used to be the Lions have this easy schedule to finish with. Their last four, Broncos, Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. Broncos are now on like a five-game win streak, and Russell Wilson has seemed to figure out, so that is not a gimme. Nope. Vikings, obviously, are playing well, and the Cowboys are one of the better teams in the NFC, so, I mean, they're, like I, I tweeted out or something, they're lucky that they beat the Bears last week, because yeah. they, they could be sitting in a bad position, so I think they'll figure it out. I think a big thing is golf has got to get back to how he was playing earlier in the year. The defense is what it is at this point. I mean, (laughs) they're just not that good. They're like, okay. You know, right. you just got to hope that Golf isn't turning the ball over. I think that was a big difference on Thursday.
1: Well, they're going to have to win some shootouts. There's no yeah. question about that. I mean, the, the de- they can't rely on the defense, uh, and and you know, Golf has been struggling. I think, man, they're fortunate they're in the division they're in though. With the Vikings losing, yeah. the Lions are three games up on the Vikings right, right now. So they they, should they'd be have okay. to
3: completely collapse, right? But, right. Yeah. They
1: should be in the playoffs. I will say this, fellas. You know, I was so gung ho about the Lions. Yeah. Super Bowl contenders i i think i've I've slipped them down a notch you know i think I mean, just watching them play there's there's weaknesses there i yeah. mean they're having a great season they got something they can build upon but are they really an elite team can they play I mean we watched the Eagles play that's just a step above man oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's going to be a tough team and to the 49ers play. and the yeah. 49ers i mean watching that Eagles uh chiefs game wow that <laughs> no, that's that's nFL football right
0: there. Oh, yeah. right yeah
2: yeah, it's you know, and here's the thing. I, this isn't a full apology for my Hutchinson take, but somebody did a great article. I wish I could find. It. I can't find it right now. Basically, just videoing him his first whatever, like 15 snaps of the game. I mean, mm-hmm. he's doubled every snap. Every time. I mean, we love we love Brad Holmes, but my God what was the draft night overthinking? We love Gibbs, but I mean, goddamn, we needed to address the defensive line. It, it was right. obvious. We saw it last year. The defense stood on their head all of last year. I mean, how many red right. zone turnovers did they force? It's, and and James Houston had a career year. Probably never see that again. I don't know, man. It just was, what in the F are we doing? And then come come trade deadline, I mean, even the 49ers who are better than Lions are saying we need to address this issue. Uh, and they did. So I don't know. It's just, there was a, they're a piece away for sure. I mean, the secondary hasn't been great all year, so right. they definitely need, are, are benefiting from having zero pass rush, uh, and so they just needed to they needed to address it and they didn't. Yeah, I, yeah, I,
1: I, just, I was just going to say, Matt, yeah, on the yeah. on the Holmes draft thing, you can debate that back and forth, yeah. but I I do agree. Why didn't they go after a free agent just by spending the money? I mean, why? Yeah. You know, a third round draft choice for some help on that defensive line that one had me scratching my head.
3: Yeah, I mean, you you can't project that James Houston's going to have a season-ending injury in right. what like week bad. one or whenever it happened. So obviously they were probably hoping that he was going to be going to be there all year. And then same, they they picked up Gardner Johnson, and obviously he had, he had the injury. So those are things I guess you can't project. But at the deadline, I am just surprised they didn't like you said, Ted, with with the division that they're in, with the position that they were in at the deadline, top of the NFC. I'm surprised they didn't say this is the year we got to go all in. We've got to make a move because you know the Packers might start to get better with Jordan Love. Who knows what the Bears are going to do? The Vikings. So, like, this is the year we got to make a move, get someone to help Hutchinson. So he's not getting he's not, it's not even like doubled. He gets doubled and like chipped every yeah. time. Sometimes he's got three guys hitting him and he's spinning and he's running. And it's just like, Yeah, man, it's and- it's
2: crazy. And here's the thing that's you're talking about this window. I mean, the championship window. Look at the bills. It closes, right. man, before you even realize it. That's Think right. about all the guys we're going to have to pay very soon. Amon Ra. I mean, Amon Ra is on what a fifth round contract right now. Right. He's <laughs> going to be garnering, you know, one of the top paid wide receivers in the league when you it breaks up. Yeah, uh, and golf, If you're going to keep gonna golf as well,
3: if, if you're going to keep golf, you're going to have to pay him. Right. So, so yeah, it just it's Hutchins, a Hutchinson's still on his rookie deal, right? So you're going to exactly. have to pay Hutchinson.
2: So, yeah, it's just I agree with it. It, it, this game. You know, it's just one football game. It's hard to win every game in the NFL. But it is. I mean, I agree with what you said, Ted. I mean, that was that was glaring. And you can't say they're a Super Bowl contender after watching what the freaking Packers did to them. And then what the Bears really should have done to them the week before, too. Right. I guess
3: the the one saving grace would be, like you said, Ted, the the division, if they can just figure it out, win the division and potentially uh, host a playoff game, then you never know. Because they, they do typically I know Thanksgiving was at Ford Field, they do typically play better at Ford Field. Mm-hmm. So if they can get into the playoffs, host a playoff game, right? Then you never know. You never know what's gonna happen once you get there.
1: Well, the one thing we gotta get we just gotta put away, we're not passing the Eagles. You know, try to play for that first round home game. Yes, I agree right. with that. They have that still in front of them. And then once the playoffs begin, you never know what, what can happen, yeah. but you know. Yeah, they, they definitely got some things they got to work on for sure. Uh, I know I got I, we talked about it uh, off air, the whole Jack Harlow thing. I All mean, oh, right, I mean, I watched it live at the stadium, and it was absolutely pathetic. I will say this. I did watch the replay on TV. It wasn't as bad. Dude, as which is unbelievable
2: because it was bad. It was TV. bad,
1: not as bad. The sound was okay.
2: I don't know what's going on. The Lions, they had a bad weekend, man. I mean, we, we teased it earlier. They can't swap out the Spartan logo, you know, for the state finals. They can't man. do that. Yeah. The, the end zones for that Michigan State game were still Lions. Right. It's, it's, it was just half-assed all around. This And then this halftime show, what the hell? I mean, right. we all knew it was going to be horrible. I mean, go back and watch Jack Harlow's college game day performance from a couple <laughs> years ago at Ohio State. I mean, what, what else do you need to see? And so you knew it was going to be horrible, and then let alone they put no resources into it literally looked like they had a little blow up toy for $300 from, you know, Party USA or whatever and said we're good. And Harlow threw on some sort of winter coat. It was so bad. Like that was the worst performance I've ever seen. Like I mean Ted, you've you're the music guy. I mean, good god, that was a live performance in front yeah. of a big audience on Thanksgiving and that's what they did. I mean, that's it's kind of unbelievable. It was pretty
1: bad. And like I said, it was worse at the stadium. I mean, geez, I know they're playing to a national audience, but yeah, that was pretty pathetic. Let me ask you this. Are you a Jack Harlow fan of his, of his rap, his music? I mean, when he first burst on the scene, I
2: mean, his big song is what's Poppin." I mean, all time song really is. I love that song. Right. Since then he hasn't really, you know, and it's hard to capture that magic. I mean, that song was everywhere, Right. Uh, but I don't know. He kind of became mainstream. Everybody loves him. Now he's acting, you know, we saw him, the white men can't jump. I don't mind his music. He still makes some good songs, but, I mean, no, he shouldn't be the Lions headliner on Thanksgiving, for God's sakes.
3: Especially when you see the Cowboys had Dolly Parton, and, I mean, she just had, I mean, a a Super Bowl-level stage and everything like that. Oh yeah, Made Jack Harlow's look pretty pitiful.
1: Well, you can see the difference. I mean, you may or may not be a Dolly Parton fan, but, my God, she's made it 77 years in life, and she knows what she's doing. I mean, she's a total (laughs) pro, man. (laughs) Right, She knows how to work it. So yeah, that's yeah. Cool. anyway, let's let's uh anything else we need to get on the table. I was just gonna say before we wrap it up, how how can we continue to watch this Pistons team? I mean, they are absolutely yeah. horrific. 15 what's straight losses.
2: On? I don't know what's going on, man. I really don't. They look good. They started two and one. It looked like we really turned to leave defensively. Cade Cunningham was taking a step. I mean, I still think Cade Cunningham's a great player, yeah. but good lord, it's it's been nothing but negative since that those first three games right uh, I don't know what the hell's going on I don't know what they need to address it's it's just not good
3: well you got I saw a clip of Monty Williams it was either after last night's or the night before game talking about effort and just saying you know questioning guys' commitment and uh, defensive effort and stuff like that and it's like man if we're what 16 17 games into his tenure, as the head coach and he's already questioning effort and commitment that's that's not a good and, sign and, and,
2: and Matt we started yeah. I'm a, but I'm a TE up here. I mean, we talked about it, man. We saw it with like the Phoenix Suns where you're in this perpetual rebuild.
4: You right. need to
2: get like a winner and a leader even if he's not, you know, getting it done on the court. I mean, Chris Paul. How much would it benefit having that guy in right. that locker room? I mean, these guys just don't know how to win. They never have. (laughs) I mean, they've they've had the worst record by twenty plus games since twenty nineteen in the in the NBA, which is incredible. Twenty plus games below the next best, the next worst team. You got to get some winners in that locker room. And and well, right, like
3: think think about it. The the Suns had Booker. You know, you get that young stud like Cade Cunningham, and then you have to get a veteran. Even though I'm not a Chris Paul fan, he's he's a proven veteran winner. You get him in there to get things going. And then now obviously they've, they've turned it around. Think about even Kyrie Irving when he was, he went to Cleveland. Yeah. Cool. Exciting, great player. They didn't do anything until LeBron came back to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to, you have to have some legit veterans. I know they've tried to sign a couple veterans, Bogdanovich and some of these other guys. And it's just that, that stuff's not going to work. You have to get,
2: you have to get an alpha. That's what Chris Paul is.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Do you agree though, that if you look at their, they're real young core, three or four top players that are young. They actually are pretty decent. They have a yeah. pretty decent future, don't they? Yeah. That's what if I mean. if I one of them you... turns
3: in, like I've said a hundred times on this podcast, Kate Cunningham can have all the potential. He's got to turn into a legit star. Like, right? And I've made the comparison, like what Ja Morant did for the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. If if Cunningham doesn't take that next step, then no no veteran is going to want to go there. Right. You know, <laughs> even if right. you sign Monty Williams, who is a, a proven coach, so. Yeah, it, it is disappointing though because it the, is. the potential is there.
1: All right, guys. The uh, Red Wings
3: have turned it on though. I know. Yeah, Red, talk, and then they just signed. Hard they
1: hard sign signed hard. a you know aging veteran. Yeah, yep. he's pre- but he has good credentials. Let's see yep. if he still is healthy. They're going right. for it. Yeah, They're going for it. Absolutely, go Wings. I gotta I gotta get down there and see a Red Wings game. My wife really wants to go, and I I was looking at tickets awesome. the night before Thanksgiving. You know, and that would have been fun to go that that Wednesday night but the tickets were a little pricey. And she says, if she wants to go, she wants to be down at the glass. So I yeah. got to shout out the big bucks.
3: <laughs> I was, I was going to say that, I was, you know, to, to tie this thing off. So, you know, back to being downtown Detroit. So, you know, went mm-hmm. back, walked around downtown a lot. I, I uh, met up with Jim Woodworth before, you know, who helped us with the podcast and everything before, and we were walking around. I haven't been downtown Detroit and walked around like that in quite a while. It I mean, there are restaurants everywhere, um, mm-hmm. shops, you know, stores, obviously Little Caesars Arena and Comerica and Ford Field. Downtown Detroit, man, I'm telling you, it's, you know, it was even snowing a little bit. So it was kind of cool, oh, yeah. you know, to be, you know, in that uh-huh. kind of environment. Downtown Detroit, you you can definitely make a day of going down there, do some shopping, wait, go out right, to eat. Wait. There's some yeah. bars. There's obviously casinos if you're into that. Like right. downtown Detroit is,
1: is super cool and super nice.
2: I mean, right where you guys are at, Greek Town, primo location, man, love it,
1: love it. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, first time at that Buffalo Wild Wings, I will be back. I mean, that's a that's a great setup there, location wise. Yep. Five minute walk to Ford Field or Comerica. I mean, it's perfect. You know, it's yep. a, it's a nice big. and, Hey, they got good chicken wings too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had a whole plateful put down in front of us, didn't we? Yeah, we did.
3: <laughs> that was, man, that was fun. You know, just uh, I guess full circle. It yeah. really was a good
1: time. We'll close it out. All right. Well, I want to thank all our partners who include Memorial Healthcare's Wellness Center. Sign up for their 2024 membership at 15% off. Get healthy, get in shape, get details at memorialhealthcare.org. Also want to thank AZ Branding Solutions, Jacobs Insurance Agency, Corey Shookin Associates Real Estate Services, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing. A little bonus shout out to Woodworth Commercial and Buffalo Wild Wings in Detroit. If you're down there in the D, go definitely check them out. Great, great restaurant. Also want to send a reminder. Man, football just ended. High School Basketball on the Radio starts this Friday night. Z92.5's Castle Game of the Week, our first B-Ball game of the season. Uh, this upcoming Friday, December 1st, 7 o'clock, the Owasso Trojans uh, will travel to Elsie, take on the Marauders, the Marauders with a new head coach. Uh, should be interesting to see uh, how they are, both teams, and going to be a lot of fun again. Listen uh, to Z92.5, Friday night. Peace and love, everybody. Be kind. Thanks for listening.